Identity Talk. I'm your host, Jana Lopez. Thank you for sharing your time with me. My mission is to create deeper conversations with dynamic people from all walks of life about uncovering meaning about who we are and how we come to see ourselves. Words and identity are my life. I'm the author of the acclaimed book, Me, My Selfie, and I. I teach online writing workshops called Write About Now and offer one-on-one transformative coaching sessions that break you through to deeper clarity and connection with yourself through a guided process I call See Through Words. When it comes to navigating identity funky junk, it's time for straight talk. Get ready for real stories, real connection, and real hope mixed with humor and a whole lot of love. You're now part of Identity Talk with Jana Lopez. Welcome to Identity Talk with Jana Lopez. And as some of you know, each week I bring somebody that I myself have some interest in or have learned something from or am curious about. And this week I have Ashley Montague, an amazing artist who performs in all forms of media. And I'll share the story of how I found Ashley uh, because that in itself is sort of interesting. So I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for hanging out. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. As some of you know, I teach a writing class every week on Tuesdays called Identity, E-Y-E. And the idea is to help people, it started as to uh, help people filter through and deal with some of the grief and confusion and shitstorm that was the beginning of the pandemic uh, starting in March. So this class has been going strong now, I wanna say for 23 weeks or something like that, 22 weeks where I have people, about 12 to 15 people any given week And we come on and we write about and discuss things that are heavy on our hearts or that are going on in the world or just the ideas to help people. I encourage them to explore who they are through words, uh, you know, without fear. We know it's all going to be there anytime you do any kind of art. There's always some fear or trepidation. I try to be a shepherd and help people along. The class is free. I wanted it to be accessible. And we've had a variety of people. Well, uh, a couple months ago when the outbreak of the Black Lives Matter uh, protests started and there were several shootings that had happened a couple of weeks apart, I was looking to find something, uh, an image that I could use as a visual prompt to have people write about that didn't exactly depict what was going on but gave people room to breathe into what was going on. So I did what any other person does, went online and I Googled uh, civil unrest or um, you know things that had to do with civil rights and, and that kind of thing. And of course, the images popped up, the black and white images of the cop. Oh no, I know it was P- police brutality maybe. That might've been what I Googled. And of course, uh, all of these images came up from the 60s, these black and white images. But in the mix was this gorgeous mural, which I'm going to look at right now so I can reference it. 
just beautiful mural of uh, an African-American man holding his heart is in front of him. There's a dove and there's a police with a gun and it's inferred that it's shooting at, and the brain is sort of like this Rubik's cube of uh, shattering. And the man has a very peaceful, loving expression on his face. And you know, the image was just so incredibly powerful and so different than anything I had seen. So this was the image I used for our, our writing prompt. Something that's important to me is that artists often don't get credit. Their images are used for so many reasons and people don't talk about the artist. The artist sort of disappears in the background. So I really wanted to find out what this mural was about, who did it. So I did my, my, my looking into it and then I got so lucky because I couldn't believe it. I found out it was an artist who lives in Portland. <laughs> it's like <laughs> such a small world. And uh, it was Ashley's. So I, I did what any fan does and tried to stalk him down and see, <laughs> see if he'd be interested <laughs> in talking to my writing group about his mural. And so thus, Everything is now born, and here we are. So there you go, Ashley. I, I mean, you're there. You go. <laughs> That's I, I, I love the the story. I love the story of how it led up to the. Thank you, thank you. I'm excited to. It, it was neat to hear that you had a whole writing group about that piece, you know, and to hear people's views and thoughts. So yeah, and people had so many interesting things to write. I, I still have, I would say probably at least six or eight of those people are still in the writing group. And um, anyway, that's how, how we met. And we're, we're gonna talk about that mural, but but we'll, we'll back up because, you know, I'm sure people wanna hear your voice too. So are you from Portland? Tell me a little bit about your, your story. I've been here for a long time. Been here since about 94. Um, no, not originally from here. Um, originally Buffalo, New York, and then California, Colorado. Uh, moved around with the family a lot. And then came here for art school. Came here in Portland, uh, went to PNCA when it was back in the art museum, way back when. Mm -hmm. Went there for a year and got really frustrated that for the first year you had to do like beginning classes just grayscale and whatnot. And so then I dropped out, got over that, dropped out and started working in a buddy's gallery. And we just did hands-on. I thought I'd learn more about the artistic way, if you want to say, by just jumping in. Um, so yeah, I've been here ever since. Art always been in your life? It it has. It, it's, you know, I, I look back, I'm, I'm lucky. Um, both my parents were artists. My father taught, taught college classes in painting. He was represented around the world as an ab abstract impressionist painter. We were like 50 years apart. So he was there at D-Day in World War II. Uh, he was one of the first people on the beaches in Normandy. So I grew up watching him paint. You know, my mother was a student of his and she was a, an amazing artist as well. Visual artist, paper maker as well. Uh, so I just grew up in that family, a very creative, went to kindergarten at the Buffalo Albright Knox Art Gallery. That's where I was in kindergarten. So I'd like roamed the, the gallery. Um, I, I have some funny memories from that time because one, one of the things that I remember, which is 
and then I, I won't get off topic too much. You, you see these paintings that are like a stark white painting with like an off-white dot in the center, right? You know, the yeah. minimalists and stuff like that. And yeah. I remember as a kid, they would let me roam the gallery and you get lost in there. I remember standing in front of those paintings and they were like, you know, 10, 12 feet tall. I'm knee high and just standing there and just being really confused. <laughs> I, was, I was always like, what are these? Why are these paintings here? I'm still that way now. Yeah, you know, um, but yeah, yeah, back on topic. It's, I grew up uh, in an artistic family, you know? Let's just stay with that for a minute because I think that's important. So there are seeds of when we are young and children and curious and some children might've been staring at a Pokemon you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. or uh, you know, it, it could be anything, right? What what we have in front of us. But if you're staring at a white canvas with an off-white dot and you're confused, what do you do with that? What is that? What does that say about how it ingrains itself into your DNA and what you do with it? Did the pursuit of art become about trying to discover or find answers to that confusion, or <clears throat> were you intrigued by that confusion and thought? Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I do. can you think back to any of those? I mean, I, I think I probably came up with those conclusions later in life. You know what I mean? Like as time of doing artwork. Absolutely. Um, then I came up with like, oh, what does this mean to me? You know? Um, but, but as growing up, it was really just that was my base ground. Like I didn't know any different. You know, I knew classical music. Uh, my dad would always play classical, so I would conduct. So I knew sound and I knew visuals. I would look at these paintings that were eight, 10 feet wide. Uh, a lot of his early work that I remember in my mind that have already sold um, were a lot of really, like I said, ab kind of abstract impressionist. Um, and one thing I remember I would do, I would spin around as fast as I could on the carpet and I would hold onto the carpet. You know how you get dizzy? Yeah, totally. I would do that, but I would just stare at my dad's paintings. <laughs> and the, the, so, I mean, I was always around it. I could go down to his studio and watch him working on something. It was just like, this is what we do, you know? That was kind of my base ground was seeing both parents be very creative and kind of felt like they were like magic makers, you know? Yeah, and were you able to sidestep your own self-consciousness about creating and just throw shit on paper and canvas or did you ball it up and then throw it away and then start over? Like, what, what was the evolutionary process of you connecting to yourself in that way as an artist? Because I think yeah, we I'm have sure. both many times. Yeah, yeah. I always was free to draw you know so I was never I never held myself back as a kid drawing I I, I just kind of grew I mean I was a teen so I was a teen I kept on drawing I knew I had a, a talent or a skill I I wasn't that good but I loved it you know I got response from people they were like oh this is great so I continued doing but as a teen you know I really I just wanted to skate so I hung out with a creative crew of kids who I'm all in touch with now, which is great. But uh, this whole core crew, like, we were just all really creative. It was art, music, skating. We made our own clothes. Like, it was crazy. Like, we fucked shit up, too. We did our things. It, art was kind of like a side thing for me then. 
I didn't take it serious, you know, like we'd get done skating, it'd be 10 at night and we would be drawing on the apartment walls or drawing on a cereal box. It was kind of just something that you do. Right. After I came to Portland is probably when I tried to get a little more serious with it, you know, because I was like, okay, let's, I'm here for art school. Um, let's try to take it serious. So I, I got really into experimentation uh, and just being really loose. Like that was kind of my main thing. Experiment, don't know what you're doing, but do it every day. One thing I used to do, I still have the notebooks, which is kind of funny, is uh, I'd play this game with myself every day. I, I rode a bike then. So I would leave the house and when you leave, you just start gone all day, right? So I would always have my notebook in my backpack. And my rule was I had to fill up one full page in my notebook with a Sharpie. So you couldn't erase and you had to do it top to bottom. So it was like all about contrast and composition and just thoughts throughout the day. So yeah, I mean, that was kind of it. I would make up challenges for myself like that since I wasn't in art school. Anymore. Was there a point when you were in art school when you're around other creative people and starting to see things, even though there might've been things about systemized application of art that doesn't jive well. I mean, I know that, you know, a lot of artists were like, no, I don't really want to do that. Yeah. Was there a time being around other creative people and ideas, you know, sometimes that confluence of being around and immersed with other people can really yeah. inspire and ignite some things. It's, it's great. I, I love those times. Um, I didn't get it too much in art school, really. I, I met a couple close friends, and that's what it was. Like, I, I met, oh, God, I feel really bad. that I, I'll, I'll, His name will come to me. You know, that guy that you really liked. <laughs> yeah, that fucked up. It's really super cool. <laughs> but no, it's true, though. But our connection was all through visuals. You know, it's like I would go home and come back, and I was like, check out the ideas that I was running with. And he would kind of have similar ideas. So we connected, he, him and a few other people in art school were the ones that I would bounce ideas. After that, it was really my first dip into that. I, I did a little bit in Colorado in high school. I dipped into like some live drawing classes, mm -hmm. you know, kind of get interaction with people. And it, it, was, it was thrilling, you know, um, but was probably like the early, early good foot scene here. I'd say, I mean, like when Goodfoot Lounge was just beginning, you know, I mean, right. I, I lived three blocks away. I remember sitting in that bar talking to the owner and he's like, well, we need to get some customers in here. And I was like, okay, well, I'll have another beer, <laughs> you know, and, and just chatted. But then, you know, Jay Brown came on, started doing the art scene and it, it became a hub. So that was probably my first dose of that in Portland of like getting inspired by other artists. You know what I mean? So there was a hub that was a seed of a hub that was starting to germinate. You were at the beginning heart of that. Yeah. And uh, that must have been pretty cool and interesting and, and exciting. It, it was, now that I look back, it was crazy times. It really was. It was like still that energy from being young of being like, oh, like you, like you see something that a friend did. You're so amazed with it. You're like, I'm going home. I'm going to do something really kick-ass now. You know, it was really that I felt like every time I would see people and it was pre-internet. So you wouldn't like post up photos of like working on this. I look cute. What do you think? It was more you would show up with your painting or your piece or your book. You know, you'd have your black book and be like, 
yo, you want to see something? And I mean, that was the energy that I got. It was kind of like a, a skating kind of like, oh, you went down two stairs. Let's go down four. I like that because it feels alive and organic to me when you describe it. That's how it felt to me at the time. When was it that you started to figure out that art could influence or create conversation or give impact? Because your work is, uh, I was trying to figure out how I was going to describe it. Um, not that I've seen it all, but I've, you know, I've definitely rifled through a lot of photos, but yeah. your work feels very uh, poignant. It feels very uh, visionary in some ways. It feels very um, mystical. It's got like some mystical qualities to it and yeah. it feels very evocative. No, I appreciate that. That's the words that, that you hit there were a lot of things that I try to put into my work. I, I'm never where I want to be with it, you know, being able to speak visually. Um, but but that's that, that's life. You keep on going. You know, you try to figure out that language. Um, but all those things that you said that I, I try to put a little bit of like mystical side into it. Uh, you know, uh, I, I don't like to spoon feed an image. I like to leave enough room for you to breathe, you know, let your mind wander, negative space, uh, subject matter when it relates, you know, have it make sense. Um, and, and, it, and that's what works for my mind. Yeah, yeah, I definitely try that. Um, and I've learned over time, that's, that's like me growing. You know, the more, let's say, I get into a personal spirituality or, uh, you know, sound frequencies, whatever you get into in your life, it seems to translate in the artwork. Um, that's what I've noticed over time. That's beautiful, as it should, because one of the things that I teach writers, I don't know if it's the same with visual art, I imagine there could be some similarity with writing. It's, it, there's two kinds of writing. There's the idea that you get where you're trying to just keep developing and shaping and, you know, fitting it in the box and working it and working it and like whatever. And then there's the writing that when you just show up and make room and are there and are listening that it starts to talk to you and inform you. And that writing is so exciting and alive for me because I discover something new. I'm surprised. I make myself right, laugh, right. I make myself cry, whatever it is. It's like, yeah. wow, I didn't see that coming. Now those are those those are those times that I think it, it's like when you're in just that flow, you know. I mean, put call it that, where you're not thinking. And I mean, I think as artists, we speaking personally, like like we we go into that a lot. But I've noticed sometimes we get that's the not safe zone, you know. And and honestly, like like the not safe zone is where all the good shit happens. Like, you know, when, when you break out of the lines, that's what you experience. That, that's the stuff, like you said, that, that we don't know, you know, where you make those, turn those mistakes into something amazing. Um, I feel sometimes as artists, as we get older, though, when, when you discover one of those, we sometimes get stuck on them when people react to them in a positive way. So, so what I mean is you, you are in this experimental zone. You're trying to evolve with your artwork you hit onto something that's good and it, it feels good when people say that's amazing. So you get stuck in that and then you do that over and over and over and over. Cause we personally, yeah, you want to feel good about what you're doing, you know? And, and that experiment becomes less and less 
I, I feel sometimes as you evolve as an artist, you know, um, I, I catch myself where I want to loosen up so much more like I used to. And I never seem to take that chance because it's like you break down the ego. You have to do all those things to, to know you messed up. You no. Know? Yeah. I love that idea. And I love that you have that awareness about yourself as an artist. So how do you get yourself loose? I mean, how do you, how do you bust that shit down? So like, you know, yeah. safe. It's, it's tough. It's tough. Cause I think you, it's like two different mind states for myself where it's the, the, the loose side is like, just, just flow, find that flow, you know, whether it's a song, a mixtape, something to get you in that mood, you know, and, and then just roll with it, but don't think of an end result. I think that's the key. You know, a lot of times, whether you're a working artist for yourself or for someone else, you're, you're, here's the idea that you're working with. You know, you have to stick in that parameter. Some of your work right now as we, we talk yeah. and um, murals, I imagine, and big walls, uh, I'm sure there has to be some planning. It's, it's well, I'm not sure. I don't know. How, how does it go? Are murals different? Yes, no. The the difference I think is of course that the public they're they're in the public. I've learned over time it, it's it's a pretty powerful and, and honored thing to be able to have walls and speak to the public. You know what I mean? Not everyone they're not there all the time. Some of those walls are beautiful. I'm looking at one right now of the woman who uh, it's done in like a turquoise blue and she, her head is back and it looks like she's yeah. ripping open her chest and there's this rip and there's these beautiful blue butterflies coming out on what looks like a matrix of some kind. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that was, that was the old Columbia, Columbia art wall. Yeah, they, they gave me those two side walls to rotate and that was, I think, one of the second pieces that was put up there. So yeah, I like to rotate that one out. Um, which I need to right now, actually. Does that mean you paint over it? Yeah, yeah, I paint over it. You know, I, I like to let things, I mean, it's one of those, like, like what I tell people, I'm like, leave it up there for some time, you know, let, let it affect people so they can go back and enjoy it. But like, you don't need to keep it up five years. You don't need to, like, are you the same person you were five years ago? I know I'm not. So let's let the walls evolve and change and speak for the times. You know, if something comes up, and there's an old piece up there, let's switch it. You know, bring something relevant. So you walk through your neighborhood and you feel relevant. You know, you feel like it's addressing things that are happening. How long does it take um, you to do a mural? I'm looking at, I mean, these walls are massive. Uh, how long does it take you to do a mural? You do it in spray paint, right? Um, Is that right? I do, I do, it's all spray paint. Um, it's usually a lot of time. I mean, there, there's planning, there's, so for myself, you know, it's first coming up with the idea. So, so you come up with the idea of what you're doing. I like to evolve, try to do different subject matter a lot, you know, push myself in those ways. So the murals, you have to give them room to breathe. And what was your first mural and what did it feel like to see your art up at such a grand scale? It's, a, it's an honor to have a, a big wall. You know, it's, a, it's an honor to have a wall in a public space. It's, it's great. It's, it's like anything, kind of like you said at the beginning of this interview, uh, the visual artist is usually hidden. Like, like you don't get immediate gratification, you know? Uh, it's, it's unlike a musician. You're on stage, you rhyme into someone, you get immediate response, right? 
you're playing music, you see that. Where the visual artist, you put your piece up on a wall and it is wonderful that it's up there, but it's left to your imagination of how people see it, if they, their thoughts, you know what I mean? True art in a way, because even with writing and you know doing a book, I published my first book, it came out in February. Uh, once it's out there, it's mm -hmm. no longer yours. I believe that like it's, it doesn't belong to me because yeah. how, however people interact with it, when they come across it, what it means to them, how they interpret it, how it comes back to me is all an unknown. Yeah. And the fact that you and I are having a conversation now is proof. Yeah. Who knows? Writing's the exact same way. You know, there, there's certain things that we, yeah, you translate and it's just not immediately in front of you, you know. I like that about art. I think that's yeah. one of the most important features about art is that it, for the artist, it's about the process. And I've heard that a million times and I've resisted it. But it's all about the process, the experience of engagement and showing up for yourself without an outcome in mind necessarily. Not always, but most times. It's really true. There's, there's this quote that I keep above my drawing table. Um, I don't know who the, who the paragraph is, but my dad had given it to me before he died. He says something to the extent of every piece you create is going to have a mistake in it. But find that mistake and that's what's going to push you and drive you to your next piece, you know, like, like learn from every piece, absorb it, but don't try to stay stuck on it. You know, like that mistake, you're always going to be learning basically with your, with your artwork. So what was that about that mural, uh, the one that we did. So then how does it, how does it jump into and land and lead to these mm -hmm. very important conversations that are so painful and difficult and overwhelming um, and doing a mural. And I think you said you did that before what happened with George Floyd, right? I don't know. This is with the uh, Michael Brown times. So four years ago, five years ago. Yeah, that, that was an interesting wall because I've always wanted to make, you know, you want to say something. Um, it's not the first time I've done that. I've always touched into bringing up ideas, you know, controversial ideas in a sense. Um, back in the day on the Belmont wall, Belmont 32nd is a wall that I that has rotated for years, 10, 12, 15 years now. I remember doing an early when everyone first got hooked on cell phones. I had done this, this piece on the side that had uh, a monkey chained by his neck in front of a, a glowing screen and he was just glowing. And the chain was to, what was it? The chain was to a, like a, a steel ball. So he was chained there. And there was a vulture above him that had the American flag on his arm and it was burning. And the cops stopped me while I was painting it. And the funny thing was, was the owner of the building wasn't there at the time. And the cops were like, oh, hey, do you own this spot? And I was like, nope. And they're like, oh, was the owner here? And I was like, nope. And they said, they asked me one more question. And somehow I said no. And I just didn't think. And I was like, oh, man, that's three, three no's. <laughs> you know? And, uh, oh, and then they said, or no, it wasn't a third no. They said, do you pick the subject matter? I said, yep. And they were like, all right, we need to have your name. <laughs> so, I mean, me being young, you know, whatever. We got through that. Nothing happened. I was the like. dossier has begun already on the writing that. Game that is Ashley. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, I won't go into that. But what I'm saying is, yes, I've always tried to publicly say things if you have a space. You know, it's not always relevant, but 
come on down. So that that wall that you're talking about, yeah, that was before the time that we're in right now. Which is sad. It was interesting, put it that way, because there was even, I mean, there was a split then, but it was before its time. No one really wanted to address that. You know, it was a big controversy, got rolled over within eight hours. I'm not going to go into the story of it. Um, it made its impact. And I, I got to say this just since this is recorded, because this was, I, I really love this part of it, was my oldest son was there while I was finishing it up at night. And I had no photos of it, right? Of this wall. So I wake up in the morning. I'm told it's either going to get rolled or I have to go there and remove the police officers. Um, I called my mom and I said, hey, mom, I don't understand. This is a message that's been happening. I really feel it's a good conversation that needs to happen in our community. I painted a picture that has beauty, but also has the dark side of showing what is happening. You know, focus on the right side with the the heart and the flower of life and then and, and the peacefulness of just wanting to be, you know, wanting to live your life. I didn't understand why I was taken so wrong, you know, and I was, I was told to cover it up. And then one thing that my mom said, she said, you know what? A lot of times powerful things are meant to hit really quick and then are gone. And you only feel them by the, the ripple or the impact, you know? And I was like, damn, mom. So she, she, she was good on that, you know, and, and that word stuck with me. So, yeah. It seems like that would happen over and over and over again in your world doing murals because then somebody could come and graffiti. Sure, sure. Which, you know, so it's kind of like you really do have to practice that zen of letting it go because it's in the public and that's it. It's And, and you do. And that wall had, it got brought enough... About, about once a year, you know, a media source would, would want to talk about it. I got to the point where I was like, I don't, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I have no words to say. You know, um, it, it evolved, morphed, people bombed it, people added to it. It's the life of a wall. That's what happens. I, I loved watching the evolution of it, you know. Um, yeah, and it's, it's to that point now, if anyone's curious, uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out a positive, like an idea for it, but... Uh, yeah, me and the owner, were on great terms now. And I told him, I was like, I should be the one to paint over this if it needs to. Like we said before in the conversation, that was four or five years ago and no one wanted to talk about it. Now let's paint something right now. You know, let's let it evolve. Let's right. let the conversation continue. So what are you interested in painting these days? I just finished a piece last night for a foster care center for kids that just got out of the system ages 18 to 21. I just painted a kind of trying to dabble into hyper realism, but I'm not even close, but I uh, just finished a piece of ice cube uh, for the music wall, kind of a pre pretty, pretty powerful piece of, of him just really energy coming at you with a flame below him. Uh, they have a bunch of walls in there in the center for the kids. So that was the last piece was last night. <laughs> That's pretty fresh. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Um, and so how does the music tie into it too? I don't, I don't want to leave the art because I love the art so yeah, much. Yeah. Uh, there's so much there. And I know because music is just as much of in your life right now. No, you can't forget music. This is important to you and it's a different form of expression. So it is. Let's talk about that. It's the other side, you know, Gemini twin. Um, yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> this side and then that side. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, the music's super important. It is hand in hand every day. I've, like I said, grew up listening to classical conducting. Uh, I used to do silly pause button tape radio shows as a kid. But as in my adult life, you know, I, I've worked in record stores for six plus years, ran a record label here in Portland, early uh, beat driven record label, um, have DJ nonstop for 15 years. What's your DJ name? Go by Skinny Miracles. Skinny Miracles. Skinny Miracles. <laughs> yeah. So it's one of those things. It, it's hand in hand, you know, learning to work the turntables and collage with music is just as important to me uh, as art, you know, and I, I need both sides too, so. How do you learn how to collage music? I mean, I'm guessing that just going to a lot of shows, listening to a lot of other DJs work, but it feels like it's an art and a science. Am I off or on my... Um, yeah, yeah, I think you can take it to whatever extent you want to take it. You know, you, you could DJ and play songs that people want to hear and put them together and, and do that just because you want to do it. You know, uh, my angle that I like to take on music, how I see it is it's all frequency. It's painting with frequency. So you have low frequencies, the bass, the mids, the highs. You have different rhythms of songs. Um, you have a controller that you can control these. You can take the bass out, cut the mids, just let the highs run. When you're collaging these two songs together, you're overlapping them, whether you're doing transitions of choruses, beginning of songs, um, the break, you know, open areas with beats. You, you blend these together, you create moods and, and the, as in depth as you wanna go with it, sound there are creators that have made every sort of mood in music you know you can mix like like very you can mix every style of music you're in a sad mood mix some sad songs i mean i mean it's i know that sounds so silly right there but uh no, it doesn't. it's you know it's 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 in it's creating a mood i mean that's what you're saying it, it is and, and how i like to do it is like bring something in you know you bring something from the 70s some 70s flair with like a beat from two years ago and instrumental and then pull an acapella over that you know it's it's hearing things how you haven't heard them before that, that, that's my take you know I love to make people dance too sure that's fun you know I really rather have you say damn I have never heard that like that or how that went together like you know that's the art for me I, I treat it very artistically yeah there's something about I've heard I mean this is like a shitty comparison I'm sure but you know some of those mashups where there are beats and sounds that do not belong together okay. yet create dissonance of chaos that works it's there was an era of that too you heard of that cat danger mouse yes so before he was I mean before he was danger mouse he put out these bootleg 12 inches so the when it was just vinyl there was maybe early 2000s I think uh, people started putting out these no names on them at all and it was just mashups like that so it was like Led Zeppelin with a Buster Rhymes acapella you know and just like just weird shit like that but that's what it was it was fun it was exciting people were like whoa what is this so 
Yeah, it's fun to do. I love the dissonance of how the sounds come together. Mm -hmm. It's not exactly like a salt and vinegar chip. <laughs> yeah, it sort of attacks and repels at the same time. <laughs> you, yeah, you want to make it taste good. You know, I think that's the, the end goal. But sometimes <laughs> it, it hiccups a little bit and is a little a little off. You know, but it's the fun of it. Have you ever put? Do you ever put your visual art with your uh, like sound art? Uh, in one space like do you work listening to music with music you've created or do you um you know does it work together or are they just two separate things i have i've done some short little animations you know you know what i mean um but i've never fully just combined the two you know like taken let's say a mixtape that i've done and made visuals for it or a three-minute song that i've made and create visuals um it's something i would like to do you know, uh, given the time, I, I would love to make little animations and morphing scenes, you know. Um, yeah, definitely video's fun though. It's just like audio or painting, you know, you're, you're layering videos with transparencies and yada, yada, yada. Like, I love that realm. Do you feel creative these days because of all the uncertainty and what's happening or does it affect your creativity? What, what happening, what's happening right now definitely affects how I'm feeling you know there's times where I am so wrapped up in what's going on in the world that I don't I can't get out of that mind state I think we all have gone through it where we're just like what the fuck's going on you know that whatever your mind state is um but yeah for me that's that space that I need that balance I guess in a sense to to be able to cope with what's going on like I need to be calm and and thinking rationally, not emotionally all the time. And for myself, like I go into that zone of creating and it, it helps, you know, if you're, if you're trying to get off what's, what's off your mind, sit down for an hour, get in that zone and just sketch some randomness, you know, or work on a project of, of a scene somewhere else that takes your mind away from it. You know, um, I'm not saying it's an escape. I'm just saying, I think it's important for creators to still try and create during these times. And so, yes, that's what I'm trying. I'm trying to keep busy with it, you know? And would you say that creators who, I mean, I think we can all potentially be creators. I feel like we all have a need for expression. What I found fascinating was even when we became initially quarantined and isolated, how the yeah, birthing yeah. of the need for expression started to filter through people living room shows or people like doing art classes online or I noticed that as well. Yeah. I, I think one one thing that's interesting that I noticed was a lot of people that let's say weren't full-time artists or full-time musicians or touring musicians, right? Everyone else finally got the time to stop and like slow down. And they were like, whoa what are we gonna do and I think that's what it was I love seeing it because it was everybody realized like oh when you have time you you can create you can yeah. make sourdough bread and macrame yeah yeah <laughs> you know but we we're all so busy like getting to the next event or getting to the next you know going to see your friend I, you know you're always around someone else that you don't have time with yourself so, right. yeah, no, the creativeness came out, I think. And I watched it kind of 
go out. Everyone needed it. And I, I feel like right now, like a lot of times it's ebb and flow. Then there's people that are like, oh, I can't create anymore. And then the next wave, you know? And people that were not typically creators began to learn what it was they wanted to create or say, I can't tell you how many people tell me that they wish they could write a book. If I had a dollar for every time everybody said to me, because I have written a book, oh, I wish I could write a book, I would be, you know. So it's interesting that people have these dormant things that they they dream of or wish or hope to to even explore, Mm -hmm. even give themselves permission to explore. and. The level of talent that's probably out there hidden. Yeah, yeah. Some of these people. I, I was part of a photography group with a bunch of women, and I would say all the women were 70 and plus okay. because they're retired. Yeah, yeah. That's Some it. of these women, Betty from the bake sale, like made these gorgeous photos, like incredible images of things that I would never be able to achieve, you know? Yeah. And she's just, this is just her hobby. I'm like. And, and that's her eye after 70 years of going through life. She's like, this is what I choose to focus on or look at, you know? That's great. So cool. Yeah. I love that. So I feel like everybody has, people ask me all the time about, about the writing thing. I say, look, you're a writer if you write. There's nothing that goes with the title. There's no grand cape and crown. Yeah that arrive at the end of a red carpet that's going to pronounce you with a writer, you know, as a writer with horns and trumpets welcoming you. (laughs) And it's true. It's like, just like being published one time doesn't make you something, you know, it's, it's, yeah. If you believe it in your heart and you write every day, then you're a writer. I would think, you know, I would not call myself a painter, you know, if I, (laughs) I mean, I, I've, it's the one, one medium that, that I cannot get out of my own head. Um, I wish I could. Uh, and I have taken a few art classes, even with a couple of artists I love. I mean, I truly love and admire and I, I get to in my head. So that yeah. would be something I think that would be fun to be free. Maybe get a piece of butcher paper and some paint and roll around naked and just kind of like paint with your body and just see what happens. Maybe I just need to go to the extreme. It, 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 it is that. It's just, get like you said, giving yourself time. Being like you have to have the time to experiment and it's never going to look good at the beginning like in five minutes it's not going to look good in an hour it's not going to look good you know it's it's getting over that factor too you know like I don't know if that works with writing I'm sure you have have like an editing process maybe you write something and then you take out a few paragraphs and say nope that doesn't need to be there um so yeah it's all just builds on top you know so what would be something you would want people to know about how art informs conversation? I feel, and we can go as broad as saying all pieces of visual art, if you want to say, can bring up conversation. But I think there's certain, I don't even want to say the term good pieces of art, but I enjoy pieces of art that does bring up conversation, you know, whether you leave enough room for thought in that piece. Um, I think it's important. And if we're, if we're touching on murals, yes, I think having public artwork that brings up conversation is pretty important. You know, it can, it, it could just be eye candy and people love that, you know, just a pattern or whatnot on the wall. That That's wonderful. But I think we also need room to address situations you know, and, and publicly it's that thing of you don't have to go into 
a gallery. It's for everybody. Everyone can walk by and get their own thoughts on it. You know, a feeling arises once you experience it. I, I think we need spaces for that, you know? Yeah, and it's almost undeniable, even if people have thoughts or opinions. Yeah. You know, I, 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 again, knowing it doesn't belong to me anymore uh, once it's out there. Yeah. Expecting, expecting people are going to have an opinion. They're either going to criticize it or yeah. admire it or be inspired by it. And, you know, whatever it is, there's 90 possibilities. Yeah. Not one of them is mine. It's true. And that's what you hope. You hope that people are going to have one of those things happen, you know? Um, I, and why I think it's so important with this really is if you look around and it's been happening forever, but everything's an advertisement. Everything is your company's name. You know, my, my favorite example is you're a peanut factory and you have a giant peanut on the side of your building. Like we already know you're a peanut factory. Give us something that when you say, yo, have you gone over to that peanut factory? And it's an amazing piece. It has nothing to do with peanuts. But then you say, man, they're, I really like what they're doing. You know? So it's, a lot of times we don't want to look at visuals. You look up at a billboard, it's just trying to sell you something. Oh, that's another business. So I think in this time where you're getting messages on walls, people enjoy that, you know? So let's, let's try to bring that back. I'd say that's true. Uh, and you can see the more forward-thinking companies doing that. I know uh, Coca-Cola just put something out with a poet mm -hmm. talking. I don't remember exactly what the message was, but, you know, it was going around. It has nothing to do with Coca-Cola, of course, but it has to do with, you know, they happen to have a poet who's, who's reading poetry. So companies that can recognize art as a means of conversation, connection, community, building bridges, doing something different other than just shoveling your wares down their throat. And you know what? That's that's good, good, thoughtful yeah. advertising. Yeah. Well, and, and bigger companies, like you mentioned, Coke, like bigger companies are understanding that, you know, smaller companies. I think that's where it all starts. It's always grassroots, you know, that that understand that that's what it's about. But it's nice to see other companies realizing that and saying, no, people, people care about this. You know, they want to emotionally be attached to something. So that's and, and that stands for something. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I don't think we can sit back. That's something else I think this time has shown is you can't just hang out and sit back and be idle and watch it all go. You have to be in the conversation or create a new conversation or you're left out of the conversation. True. It's really true. Yeah. So for everybody, I would suggest you check out Ashley's work. It's some of my newest favorite stuff. And I have your piece. I don't know if you can see it. It's hanging up over there. It but... is right in the back there. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, very beautiful and evocative. And he does have prints for sale and uh, does DJ. Uh, and I will put links for his visual art and his auditory art on this podcast episode so you can check him out and support him spread the word appreciate that anything else you want to add before we bid adieu not that i can think of off the top of my head you know i mean i'm i'm it's wonderful seeing portland be so active right now you know and and around the around the the states around the world i, I think people are expressing themselves a lot right now and it's, it's a great thing to see. 
So yeah, th thanks for having me on here to talk, you know. Um, yeah, good convos, thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Identity Talk with Gianna Lopez. I've had a fantastic time. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, share it with someone you think is in need. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. For questions or comments, reach me at janalopez.com. And when you're having a moment of identity doubt, just remember that seeing is relieving.